SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. From Sin City. Vegas, baby, Vegas! It's Vegas Sportsbook Radio with Brian Blessing. The dream's still alive. There's probably just one question to answer. Is this heaven? I don't think I heard you. Is this heaven? Yes, it is. Anderson hits it in the It was a dream come true. It was field dreams, and that dream, you know, today came true. And uh, it was, it, it was a, it was an awesome day. Now I can tell you, there was, it was a really good day. That ruined it a little bit, honestly. You know, I mean, we're here with business to do, and, and these games are huge. So, you know, it sucks to walk in here after a tough loss, after you looked like you stole it back. But that said. That was as special and breathtaking a setting for a baseball game that I can ever remember being a part of. And for hour number two, on Fridays, joins us all the time, Andy Isco from The Logical Approach. Let me say to Chris real quick. You know, the beauty of the medium radio is, you know, you have to let your imagination kind of run. You know, when you're hearing something and you kind of close your eyes, you're thinking about it. And it's funny, and you, you appreciate it. That audio clip, the crowd noise, like we had the, the one running back with the long run and the, and the crowd goes nuts, and you kind of soak that all in. But the crack of the bat that Anderson hit that ball, that sound, that was a home run. I mean, the sound itself, I mean, that was flush. Yeah, it's, um, you, you could tell instantly, you see that so often, I think, uh, oh, I forget what game I was watching the other day, uh, I think it was with, uh, maybe it was in the Angel Angel Toronto game, and uh, it wasn't, uh, no, I'm sorry, no, ac- no, I'm sorry, it was actually earlier, that, I think it was one that uh, Jimenez hit, that as soon as you as soon as you heard that sound, you knew it was out of the park, especially uh, that park, and uh, uh, quite a number of, of uh, White Sox fans there, you would not have guessed that the crowd was 8,000, it would have sounded more like 18,000 or 25,000 uh, based upon that reaction. It was, as we said in the, uh, uh, in, in the first hour, it was just a really, really neat experience, and uh, it's good that it's going to be repeated, and uh, hopefully they won't do like you talked about, uh, uh, take it to an extreme and, and make it rather ordinary by having several of those games each year. Let's keep it at one. Uh, you know, baseball is a little bit different, although we did have that issue with the uh, the hockey outdoor game that they had to postpone a while because of the state of the ice. But with baseball, you always have the, uh, uh, the threat of rain. It's funny, Andy. I was just thinking, you know, hearing that sound of Anderson's home run, and we'll get into the field of dreams thing here. But 
I used to go, I mean, I've seen Manila Maris, but the guy, Frank Howard was that guy when I was a kid. Frank mm-hmm. Howard, it had that sound. Harmon Killebrew was another. Yeah, and I saw Harmon Killebrew many years. But the one guy, like Frank Howard, I was a kid, and I, and you knew that sound was there. But the one, when I was a little older, you know, preteen, we go to a lot of Phillies games. When Richie Allen was playing with the Phillies, the guy had like a 48-inch baseball bat. The thing was like a telephone pole. And it made that sound. I mean, when he hit it, that it was that, that ball just, I mean, it rocketed off the bat. Only question was fair or foul on some of those. But you knew it was leaving the yard. Yeah, no doubt. So the, the Field of Dreams thing, Yankees put the rally caps on, a couple of ninth-inning two-run shots. And then it's kind of been the story of the year for the Yankees. The bullpen lets them down again. Yeah, the last, uh, and of course, uh, Chapman's on the injured list, so they had a couple of other guys. Uh, Zach Britton has had some struggles, although he pitched well the other night. Uh, I, I'm Although I'm a Yankees fan, I'm not... Uh, I'm, I'm not all that optimistic that they are going to make the playoffs. They've got uh, you know contention right now uh, from uh, well, Tampa Bay is in position to win the East. Oakland and Houston are fighting it out in the West, but Seattle's now in the wild card conversation. And in the East, the team that I thought would make a run, and they have after the All-Star break, Toronto is now in contention for the wild card, as are the uh, the Yankees. I guess the only division that I won't say, yeah. For all intents and purposes, it's wrapped up. The White Sox are going to win that division, barring some extremely unlikely uh, occurrences. But no team from the Central is going to really have a shot at the wild card. So I think the Yankees and the bullpen was was a strength at the start of the season. The starting pitching has been so-so. Cole has been has been good most of the time. He's had some issues, especially uh, when they started to enforcing that uh, that sticky stuff uh, thing. He sort of settled down. <laughs> then he's had a couple of struggles since then. So I think the Yankees are in some trouble as far as making the playoffs. The offense should get a little better with the addition of uh, of Rizzo and, and Gallo uh, to take advantage of that uh, short uh, uh, right field foul pole. Uh, but uh, the overall pitching staff itself has been a weakness where it was, especially the bullpen, where it was considered a strength. So we'll see what happens. Like I say, Toronto, their starting pitching has gotten a lot better. Uh, Robbie Ray, who had that time with Arizona, he uh, was so, so early. He's been very, very strong lately. Well, uh, uh, Alec Manoa, the rookie, has been really solid. I think he's made about 11 starts and uh, uh, the that, that, that lineup maybe, that they have. Yeah, the one thing with them. They, they're fun. They can hit the cover off the ball. 591 runs scored this year. Taking a short break. Coming right back. Vegas Sports Division. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. With your Vegas Sportsbook Radio, Brian Blessing. Thrilled to have our buddy Andy Isco from The Logical Approach joining us, as he always does on Fridays. Chris Pavona, our producer back in New York. 
We were talking a little bit during the break, Andy. A little college football chat. That's coming August 28th. You know, kind of some squirrely games to get it going, but we ease into that first full Saturday. And it was funny, you were talking about the Mountain West. We were just chatting it up a little bit. And, you know, San Jose State came out of nowhere last year. And you wonder, with the COVID situation, and some teams played three games, four games. Some teams didn't get out there at all. We've got the fifth-year seniors. We've got the transfer portals. This is going to be a really compelling start to this college football season. And I think we're all going to be adjusting on the fly here out of the gate. Yeah, I think despite the uh, uh, the increase in uh, the cases of COVID uh, due to that Delta variant, uh, it seems as though this is going to be a more normal season than last year was. I don't think we're going to have the number of cancellations or postponements, etc. Uh, you know, a lot of it's going to see how these things unfold, but I think we can expect more of a normal season. I think most teams will be able to get their full complement of, of 12 games uh, played. Certainly uh, we'll see a number of uh, non-conference games that we really missed last year up until the uh, bowl season. And yeah, there are going to be some intriguing matchups to uh, uh, to start the season. We've got those, those uh, what I call Week zero games, those four games on the 28th, which is two weeks from tomorrow. Uh, a lot of uh, you, you call them those fifth-year seniors. I think they're what they're referring to them now as super seniors. Super situation seniors. That yeah, that we've not that we've not had before, and all the transfers. So there'll be a significant change from last year. And one of the challenges will be, as far as handicapping and betting the games, how much do we consider a carryover from last year to this year, or how much do we need to go back and look at 2019 and consider that within the context of what happened last year into this year, especially with that transfer rule. So there'll be a, a, a more than usual significant change in the composition of many of the big teams of, uh, uh, you know, the elite teams in college football. You know, Alabama will be a very interesting uh, uh, team considering what they lost, especially at the skill positions, quarterback, wide receiver, running back. But as I've maintained for many years, Alabama is one of those teams that not only reloads rather than rebuilds. You know, the backups that got significant playing time when Alabama's getting out to all those big leagues, so the second and third string team players from last year, many of whom will be starting this year, uh, those te- those players last year still could have started for you know maybe 75 to 80% of the other teams in college football. That's how well and that's how deep Alabama recruits. I'm not so sure I'm going to be able to say the same thing about Ohio State. I think the Big Ten is going to be a very competitive conference this year. team that I've liked, and they did have a good year last year, and they returned some some key players and got some nice additions. Uh, Indiana Hoosiers, that's a team I'm looking to be uh, hopefully backing early and hopefully be correct so that they'll be uh, a, factor, uh, a factor again this year. They, they are a fun team to watch when they're on offense. You know, we talk about this NIL thing, and players are going to be making money. Derek King, the quarterback for Miami, signs a sponsorship deal with the Florida Panthers in the NHL, which was interesting. And then we're talking about some of these quarterbacks, and the one kid's going to leave high school, give up his senior year of high school to make a million bucks, you know, to jump into college early. How you know, by the way, my, my question my question on that is, how does he meet the eligibility requirements to get no into idea. Ohio State if he's not going <laughs> to finish his senior year in high school, other than maybe take a few I, summer courses? 
because he can buy his own education wing, I guess. I have no idea how that pans out. But I was going to say, of all the goofy ones that are out there, how it pans out, what it means on the field, chemistry in the room, there was a nice story that's out there that the BYU Athletic Department has brokered a deal with a sponsor, endorsement deals that's going to cover the cost of the tuition for every walk-on on the BYU football team. 36 of them. I mean, you know, these walk-ons, these guys, you know, we see this every year where at the beginning of a new season and the they have a team meeting and the coach, you know, gives the word in front of the team that this guy got his scholarship covered and the team goes nuts for the guy. That's a great story, Andy. There, there's a good side to it there that the walk-ons are getting their tuition paid. That's a cool one. Yeah, and, and you sort of, uh, it really is, but you also touched upon a potential problem, and that is, you know, okay, King of Miami's got that huge deal. Is that going to foster some resentment within the Maybe. locker room for the players who don't have the high visibility? Could that create some friction on a team? And I'm wondering if sure at some point down the road, the, uh, the, the NCAA may end up restructuring itself and you know they've got to do something so that there's some sense of equality there and I've maintained for many years the biggest beneficiaries of the current structure of college football and college basketball are the NFL and the NBA because they're basically getting all that talent developed at no expense to those professional leagues and I think now with some of this name image and likeness thing the NFL and NBA may end up somehow getting involved to contribute to take some of the to to spread out some of the benefits throughout college football uh, rather than just to the the marquee value players because I do think that that locker room um, chemistry could be an issue for some programs, especially when good teams start not having the kind of success on the field that they're accustomed to. It's just another piece of the Rubik's Cube, right? It's, it's something new thrown in the hopper that we got to see how it shakes out. Yeah, it's something to keep in the back of our minds. I don't know necessarily, especially starting the season, that I'm going to factor in all that much. But it is something that we could look towards down the road if there are some really unusual uh, flip-flops in performance that's in the back of our mind that there could be something internal and would be related to the monetary structure. You know, it, it may this may be a step with the NILs. It may be a step to just providing stipends, uh, you know, other than room and board and tuition, for all college athletes. Andy, how about the strength of specific conferences? I mean, is it something, I mean, for me it is, absolutely, when we get to bowl season, it's something that I massively take into account, and I know there are many people, you know, hey, every game's a snowflake kind of thing. Uh, You know, listen, some programs or some conferences are adept at playing in bowls. They look good in the regular season. Others go in and spit the bid in bowls. But every year we think, Hey, this is the monster conference. Look at these guys. And then you get the bowl season and they cough up a lung. You know, how much do you take that into account during the course of a season? Uh, during the course of a regular season, I don't take it into consideration as much. And although I do take a look at it and consider it during bowl season, bowl season is unique because you also have to take a good look at the motivation of the teams that are involved. Are they looking at it as a reward? Are they looking at it as a disappointment? Are they holding out players who want to, who don't want to injure themselves to risk the injury because of the upcoming NFL draft, etc., the sc- scouting combines, uh, etc.? So uh, the bowl game situation 
situation is somewhat unique, but there are some uh, patterns that I check every year as far as how conferences do uh, as far as when they step up in class against other conferences. So, uh, again, you use the term in the first hour, and it applies to a lot of what we do in handicapping and betting, and that's called making an educated guess. And part of the process of making an educated guess is making a case for both sides in a game. There's no, there's no game that you can only make a case for one side and not the other when you're talking about covering a point spread. Yeah, a 40-point favorite is going to win the football game 99.9% of the time, but are they going to cover that 40-point spread? You can always find a reason why the other team uh, might be in a position to cover a big number or why that 40-point why that favorite uh, may not be uh, all that motivated or that interested or may design you know, the use of personnel to cover a 40-point spread. I think one example uh, is the opening uh, weekend, the, the uh, September, the Labor Day weekend game, UCLA and Hawaii. UCLA has been bet up like a 17-point yep. favorite. Well, they face LSU the next night, the next weekend. <laughs> There you go. We'll talk more college football, NFL, when we come back on Vegas Sports Radio. Congratulations. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Right here on the home of the winning edge. This is the Sports Grid Radio Network. Back with the Vegas Sportsbook Radio Series Channel 204, the Sports Grid Radio Network. As always, we appreciate the great work of our producer Chris Bavona back in New York, and we also appreciate our pal Andy Isco, the logical approach. And the contests are coming fast, Andy. If folks are coming to Las Vegas, we tell you August 27th is Super Contest Weekend. Friday we'll be doing Vegas Sportsbook Radio over at the Superbook. If you're coming in that weekend, please come by. Say hi to us. I'm hoping Andy's schedule will permit that he can swing by there. It'll be great fun. And Andy does a great proxy service. If you're signing up for contests in town, that he can hook you up and you can get hold of Andy at Vegas Andy. 711 at cox.net. But the contests are coming, Andy, and talked to Tony Miller earlier in the week and Jay Cornegay. The entries are starting to pile up, but it's the big final surge where they go nuts. Yeah, the last uh, two weeks, uh, really before the start of the regular season, starting with uh, uh, starting really with Super uh, Super Contest Weekend, and I will be able to join you on uh, Friday, the 26th, which is two weeks from today. I actually will be meeting some people down there. Some of the regulars who come in every year for that weekend, uh, some of them try to play a practice round on the golf course on Friday, so they can be set for the uh, the tournament <laughs> on uh, on Saturday. But I'll be signing some people up, so I'll be down there from uh, breakfast through dinner probably. And yeah, it's uh, just just to give a brief thing on the on the contest uh, the, the proxy is basically there for people from out of state who want to enter the requirement is that you do need to be in Las Vegas to sign up pay the entry fee for the contest 
but you need someone to turn in your selections. Now, for most people who are in the local area, they can turn in their selections themselves, either by going down to the property or on the mobile app. But you have to be within the state of Nevada to use the mobile app. So if you're flying in, say, from Ohio, you need someone to be able to be in Nevada to put uh, your selections in each week. You know, if you're in Southern California, you also need someone to do it. But, you know, a lot of people already booked their weekends. They're going to be in every weekend of the football season for that. So it's mostly for people out of town, out of the area who who do do need proxies. And the proxy business uh, overall has increased and more and more proxies making themselves available as the contests uh, have exploded. And just to give you an idea of the growth of the uh, contests, it really began in 2010 when ESPN covered the Super Contest. I don't recall if it was the Hilton or the LVH by that time, but it was Mm -hmm. at the Hilton, the Las Vegas Hilton, for many years. And I've been in the contest every year since 1991, so this is my 31st year in the contest. And prior to 2011, there would be between 250 and 450 uh, contestants in the contest. It would vary from year to year. And then after ESPN got the coverage, it started to increase. I think there were five-something in 2011 and seven-something. It, it, it continued to explode so that in 2019, the year before the pandemic, they had a record of like 3,300 entrants. And so uh, proxies really needed to become part of the picture. And the contest has continued to grow. We've had competition now from Circa. Uh, there are two contests that they've had. Uh, this will now be the third season there. You mentioned Tony at the Golden Nugget, which is a unique contest in that it combines both college and pro. You can pick either or. You can play all college games, all pro games, or a mixture of the uh, of the two sports. Uh, and it's become, uh, the, the, the payouts have become increasingly great. In the NFL contest, uh, the Circus and the Westgates, they have little mini contests throughout the season. So if you're not in contention for a season-long prize, but you've got a, a hot streak and it's the right uh, and it's the right sequence of weeks you could win a hundred thousand uh, dollars by coming out with like a 15 and0 record the the Westgate has six contests of three weeks each one through three four through six etc but they also have three six week contests one through six seven to twelve uh, 13 or 18 so even if you're not enjoying a good season overall you still have an opportunity uh, to do well if you get on that nice little hot streak that inevitably uh, most of us will have a hot streak or two during the season and unfortunately most of us will have a cold streak at some point it's the ones who can be consistent and avoid you know, you want to avoid the lives maybe work in a 5-0 and at some point during the season to really have a shot at one of the year-end prizes, which are uh, really the big bucks. And by the way, just to make sure you make it, Friday is August 27th. So well, I'm sorry, the 27th, you are correct. Yeah, yeah, 27th. I'm just making sure I'm in the right place at the right time. Yeah. The golf tournament is August 28th. Uh, what a, it's a, such a fun weekend. You know, the, the real cool dynamic of this, Andy, and you think about it, what the pandemic has done to us and all our lives have been, you know, altered. But we're all creatures of habit. And the crazy thing and the beauty of that weekend, it used to be a big seminar. It was a big football seminar. The seminar's kind of gone by the boards, but the gathering is still there where they are going to, this year, give away 10 entries to the Super Contest. They have the golf tournament, incredible memorabilia, and all kinds of cool stuff they give away. And it's just like a little you know, cherry on top of the Sunday for all the players and, and people to gather. But it really is, I'm not a who's who kind of thing in the sports wagering industry, but it's basically a spot where everybody convenes and everybody says, hi, good to see you, wish you luck, and then you see them again in a year. 
It's exactly like what you've said many times when March Madness comes around. You see the same phases each year uh, for, the, uh, for, for some part of that two-and-a-half-week tournament. You see the same thing on uh, Super Contest weekend uh, that uh, people who are – not everybody plays or is involved in both basketball, uh, you know, college basketball and football, but those who are football only, they get together once a year. And, yeah, you see a lot of who's who within the, uh, within the, within the industry. I understand uh, Roxy Roxborough was in town uh, about a week or so ago, and uh, uh, or maybe even I think it was uh, the other night that somebody said that they said I know I think he comes in uh, every year for the Delmar meet, so he may even be down. Yeah, uh, I think you know you know what happened. Basically, what happened was all the sports book directors did a big old uh, hoot nanny. You know, they all got together. They get occasionally the other night. Yes, yeah, Yeah, they get together occasionally, which is, is funny. You know, we talk about hey, there's. In whatever, 32 coaches, you know, uh, in football. Uh, the, there are not that many sports book directors. It used to be a gazillion books, but with the consolidation of the industry, uh, it, you know, they're competitors, but it's a fraternity, and they talk amongst each other and pick each other's brain. It's it's a unique little world that they have, and you know, I feel fortunate that so many of these guys are really good friends. That's why we honestly... Is the format for Sportsbook Radio. It emanated in Las Vegas, and we're thrilled to be on Sirius 204, the Sports Grid Radio Network. But throughout the course of the week, we have the luxury of talking to all these sportsbook directors and get the opinions from the other side of the counter, which is, I, th- I think is great fun and of value. Yeah, we, we all learn things all the time. You're never too old. You're never too experienced uh, to stop learning. And uh, as I always point out, it's very simple, but it remains true. And what makes it such a challenge and yet so much enjoyment from it is that the books have the advantage of the 11 to 10, and the player has the advantage of selectivity. If we don't like a game, we don't have to play it. If we find a game we like where we think maybe the number is off a little bit, certain factors might not be considered, we can play that game. And you know, there's so much business now, especially with, with the league legalization around the country of sports betting there's still no place like las vegas as far as uh, the way it's done here you can't really duplicate it may take some while before they're able to do it but considering all the locations and all the business it's a win-win situation when sports book directors get together hey the three games tonight uh we touched on buffalo detroit dallas arizona in hour number one the other game tennessee atlanta atlanta one point favorite total in the game is 38 I think Tennessee's built to be really a, a stout team, and they're built to be dangerous at year's end. It'll be interesting to see how Atlanta soldiers on this season. Matt Ryan sticks it out here another year. They get the stud young tight end coming in. Atlanta's a bit of a mystery. Yeah, they are, and I'm not sure what the, the – uh... Uh, what the rotations will be tonight. Tennessee, again, is another one of those teams that has to consider itself a legitimate, uh, m- maybe you don't want to say Super Bowl contender or maybe an AFC championship game contender, although I think you can make a case the way the team is built uh, that they certainly can contend for a Super Bowl. I mean, at, at, at this point, Tannehill is a proven NFL quarterback, very capable. You've got uh, uh, Derrick Henry, the running game. You've got some nice, uh, uh, nice receivers, Julio Jones being picked up there, so that'll be an interesting sidebar to this game, even though he may not see much action, if any, going up against his uh, his former team. But it does lead to, again, the thought process that Atlanta may have more development concerns to work in, especially with the Matty Ryan and uh, some of the receivers he's got. You mentioned the tight end out of uh, uh, out of Iowa, I believe it was, that uh, uh, they picked up in the draft. Uh, Florida, Tennessee, I believe. Pitts. Florida, yeah. I'm sorry, Florida. Yeah, Pitts. Uh, 
uh, Tennessee more looking toward being one of those teams, I think, to develop depth, maybe a little bit more in the quarterback backup situation. So don't have a real feel for this one. But, again, that's – Well, I would tell you, uh, here you go, buddy. Listen, you, you got Logan Woodside, and then the Titans signed Matt Barkley, uh, who's actually done some decent things in the preseason with the Bills. But he basically is just learning – he just got there last week – and, you know, the other side, you're looking at A.J. McCarron. So, basically, you're handicapping this game, Logan Woodside against A.J. McCarron. That's what you're talking about. Yeah, and you wonder, that, you know, just how much time each of those players uh, will be playing. Maybe they'll both see action for a half, and maybe they'll go a little bit further down the depth chart for, uh, uh, for the second half. And, again, I, I, I try to preface my remarks by disclosing, I guess is the word, I'm not much of a preseason uh, football right. better, largely from a uh, what I call a, a philosophical standpoint, which we talked about in the first hour about the purpose of uh, uh, preseason. I, and and, you, and it's interesting because I'll also make the comment, you know, of those. Who, and I'm not trying to dis- discourage anyone from playing the preseason by all means. If you feel you you want the action, if you feel you have an advantage, go uh, go play it. But I also ask the people, how many of you who play preseason football also bet exhibition uh, baseball during the spring training games or bet? Uh, uh, wow. I bet preseason games in the NBA because the concept the is the same. Yeah, man, but the, the difference is, bud, we're up against it's the football. Ring. The difference is football's the 800-pound gorilla. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's Don't the difference. Don't discourage that at all. Hey, it's Vegas Sportsbook Radio. Andy Isco with us on a Friday. Our producers, Chris Pavone, I'm Brian Blessing. Keep it right here. Coming back, Sirius 204, the Sports Kid Radio Network. Sometimes winning just comes down to attitude. Well, SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Race into the weekend, Vegas Sportsbook Radio. Scott Farrell, top of the hour. Sirius 204 along the Sports Grid Radio Network. Brian Blessing and Andy Isco from The Logical Approach with you on a Friday. Chris Bavona is our producer. Talking philosophies, Andy. I want to dive into baseball a little bit, too. But in NFL preseason football, and I think there are opportunities during the regular season, but specifically you talk about the gray areas at the end of games, you know, taking a deep dive on the first half of NFL games where the coach, in essence, is, for the most part, kind of telling you who's going to be out there. It's not a bad idea sometimes to chop that game in half. No, we were talking about that during the the break. Uh, I know that you liked, I think, one of the totals tonight in the uh, first half. And, again, uh, preseason games are random enough 
over 60 minutes. At least in the first half, some of that randomness is taken out of it because of the fact that you do have, if not the starters, then the second teamers playing the majority of the first half where you know you're getting the experience in there. You know that the that uh, at least the quarterback that they're emphasizing, whether it be the starter or his primary backup, will be uh, participating. So you're more likely to see formful play develop in the first half rather than in the second half of preseason games. Again, the idea is for execution. Now, in the regular season, there are also opportunities in the first half, but you know in the fourth quarter of regular season games, especially games that are still competitive at that point, both teams are going to try to win. That's not necessarily true in preseason. So you bring up a very good point. Consider a first half in preseason as opposed to the full game. It should reduce the randomness that we often see occurring in the, uh, especially the fourth quarters of the, uh, I still call them exhibition games. And I might find a lot of times you, you lasso around certain teams in the NFL when you're trying to trend things out. And it would be, I guess you could build a sample size, but I would think season to season it would be different based on the personnel that's there. But I think in the NFL, you can find a half dozen, maybe up to ten teams that are fast starters. You know, I mean, they come out of the gate and they perform very well out of the gate. Then the adjustments come and then their offense tends to bog down. And so much of that, you think about it, it's just kind of a common sense thing. These guys install game plans. Most teams, the first series is pretty much scripted. And some of these teams take the – how many times do they throw the stat out, you know, in week nine? Oh, you know, this team scored on the opening drive in nine mm-hmm. straight games. You know, so those teams that are either slow starters or fast starters, you can dial in on that. And maybe a lot of people don't do that deep dive. They, You know, hey, I'm betting the game and here, here's – Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make my play. I'm betting a side or I'm betting a total. But there's nothing wrong with going inside a game or taking the deep dot and think outside the box in your handicapping. Oh, absolutely. You know, you talk about uh, even even in the preseason, you know, look at the first-year coaches coming in from outside the organization where there are more likely to be battles for starting positions than there are with uh, continuity situations where coaches are coming back with the same personnel that they had, maybe looking to work some rookies into the starting lineup, etc. And you can carry that over into the regular season where teams that are not expected to fare well may be looking to get off to that good start. The, the one team that intrigues me this year is Jacksonville with Urban Meyer. They may go out and get off to a very quick start in September uh, to build that culture. Urban Meyer, you know, very much a great emphasis on winning. I'm a little concerned about the long-term effects. Will Urban Meyer be a coach who is suitable for the uh, uh, the the NFL game? You know, with his uh, dedication and his uh, his historic record of winning and winning at a very high level, might he be frustrated with the progress uh, that his team makes deeper in? to this season, uh, but I would expect uh, that we could see Jacksonville uh, start off uh, strongly. You know, will he be a successful coach who's made the transition to the NFL from colleges like a Pete Carroll coming over from uh, USC to Seattle, uh, although he had had some NFL experience previously, or could he be a Steve Spurrier who struggled uh, at, after having that great success at Florida and going over to, uh, uh, to Washington? We don't know about Urban Meyer, but that'll be something to keep an eye on because I do think he'll be aggressive early in the season as he gets his team to buy into uh, his techniques. Well, listen, Jacksonville's a two-and-a-half-point favorite against Cleveland. The total on this one's 37-and-a-half. Well, basically, Urban Meyer this week 
I mean, I don't think he's blowing smoke. I think what he said kind of makes sense. He comes in. They've got the first overall pick of the draft, but he's coming in. And he knows what we know about, you know, Gardner Minshew. And the guy had some moments and moved the football, had some really good moments for the Jags last year. But now Meyer's around him every day, and he said, listen, man, this guy's a warrior. He brings in every play, his attention to detail. And the guy is winning the coach over to the point, yeah, Lawrence is the future of the franchise. There's no getting around that. But Meyer's legitimately saying, as of this minute, he's telling you that Minshew's doing really good in camp, and he's still saying it's a, you know, he's not naming his week one starter but they're playing Cleveland in a preseason game. So he's basically, Minshew's going to be going out there. In his mind, the coach is at least giving him the indication. He's got a shot to win this job. These two quarterbacks oh, yeah. could I, be slinging I, it around. He's, he's, uh, Meyer has given him a great bit of confidence by effectively naming him the starter, at least right now. That's got to play well inside his head where he's all of a sudden saying, hey, I put in some work. I took advantage of my opportunity when I got the play, and now all of a sudden a rookie's coming in with all this fanfare, understandably so. So I think he appreciates uh, the words of encouragement, uh, and um, not just encouragement, but high praise coming from Urban Meyer. And I think that sits well with the veterans on that team. So uh, I think think that Lawrence ultimately will see, some, unless, unless Minshew is just off the charts this year, I do expect Lawrence to see uh, some action and perhaps be the starter maybe uh, by, you know, week 10 or 11. Uh, again, depending upon how Minshew plays. But, yeah, clearly he was impressive because Minshew came into the league without a great uh, uh, deal of fanfare. But when given the opportunity uh, to, to lead the Jags, he took advantage of that uh, opportunity. So, I, I, again, I think that's part of Urban Meyer's um, – approach to basically rely, at least initially, on the veterans on his team and work in the younger players as they as the opportunities arise. So how about strategies, Andy, for baseball on the back end of the season now? We're making the push towards the playoffs. We've been talking about the wild card races. But a lot of teams now are going to say, hey, we're going to start looking at prospects. Baseball, there's a defined approach to the back third of the season, is there not? Well, I'm basically looking at the last month of the season, let's say starting in September, uh, where teams basically know, uh, you know we're either looking towards next year or we, uh, we're locked up into the playoffs or we've got a real good chance to make the playoffs and have an opportunity to make up some ground in the final month. We start seeing some very, very ridiculously high lines in some cases, which makes it very difficult to play some of those teams that could very well be 3 and $4 favorites, you know, when uh, the Dodgers are playing Arizona or something like that in September and even when you're uh, when you're looking to play a team like that on the uh, run line, the Dodgers could be a four dollar favorite on the run line and lay two hundred minus the run and a half, which makes it very very difficult uh, to uh, uh, find those spots. Often I will look for quality underdogs who are in contention to make the playoffs, but they may be playing you know like a Houston, uh, like a San Francisco, where maybe they're getting you know a dollar twenty five to a dollar thirty, and they've got an opportunity because they need to continue to win, but they're going up. Against against a team that right now is the better team. And uh, specifically, I'm going to be interested in the race in the National League West where it's all, I won't say it's all but certain, but pretty clear that the Dodgers, the Giants, and the Padres are each going to make the playoffs. They're all going to make the playoffs. It's just a question of who's going to win the division. Right now, the Giants are in charge, which means that the Giants would make the playoffs as a division winner, but the wild card game would be between the Padres and the Dodgers. So that 
that could have some interest. I think Cincinnati is close to within like three or four games of the uh, uh, second wild card because the Padres have slumped a little bit. But let me ask you something, earlier, Andy. Are the Padres Tatis may be coming back this weekend? Yeah, I was just going to say, are the Padres an interesting play if you're sitting there and you're looking at futures and you want to take a swing at something? I mean, the one game wild card, it's a one game dart. You know, you got to get by there. But all reports were the Tatis thing was not looking good, and it was kind of a death blow to the team. Well, I got news for you. He's taking ground balls, but he's shagging flies. And the Padres are talking about seriously considering to keep this guy upright, to play him in the outfield. The one thing they really want to try to get him to do is alter his sliding strategy because head-first sliding is what got his shoulder in trouble in the first place. But getting that back back in the lineup, they're talking about throwing him in the outfield. And if he comes back, what if this guy goes on a tootsie roll? Well, the two teams coming into the season that I thought were legitimate contenders uh, to uh, to make or perhaps win the World Series, the Chicago White Sox in the American League, San Diego Padres in the National League. Now, the White Sox have held up their half of my expectations. The Padres really haven't, but there's an explanation there. I expected more out of the uh, Padres pitching staff, guys like uh, Chris Paddock, who seemed to be uh, developing some of the other guys that they had. Now, Joe Musgrove has been a surprise. He's pitched better than I expected, although he's tailed off a bit after a very strong start to his season. He had that no-hitter way back at the beginning of the season. Seems to have settled down a little bit now, is in good form. Blake Snell had struggled a good part of the season. He's now starting to be the pitcher that uh, that we expected him to be uh, from the uh, from the start of the season. But overall, the Padres uh, pitching, especially the starting rotation, has not lived up to expectations. But now that they are starting to show that form and Tatis back in there, they might be worth a look. But again, and you pointed out the question, do you really want to make a futures bet uh, on a team that's still going to have relatively short odds because they are expected to make the playoffs, but they've got to get by that uh, wild card game, not just against another team, but a team within their own division, be it the Dodgers, who it would be right now, or the Giants, if they fade and the Padres finish second or third and the Dodgers come back to uh, win the division over the final 45 games or so. So it makes it difficult to justify a futures play on the Padres because of the situation in which they are most likely to make the playoffs combined with the team that uh, the team or uh, of the two teams that they are likely to face in that one game playoff. This American League wildcard race, though, that's a circus act. Yeah, I mean, for uh, I think we touched upon it, uh, may have been in the first hour, I think, that uh, uh, we were looking at basically uh, the, uh, the the wild card coming down to, uh, either, uh, to either Houston or Oakland in the West. Seattle's made a little bit of a, of a run. And for much of the season, it looked like both Boston and Toronto were going to make the playoffs. One is the winner of the AL East, one is a wild card. Well, Boston has slumped a little bit. Tampa Bay has taken advantage. I didn't say Toronto. I didn't mean Toronto. I meant uh, Tampa Bay and Boston. And uh, Tampa Bay has taken advantage of Boston's slump, partly at the expense of the Red Sox in head-to-head meetings. But now Toronto and the Yankees are making a run and have closed the gap to where they are now in consideration for uh, the wild card. So you might find some more values in the American League as far as uh, future plays go. I mentioned uh, when we talked about it earlier, I like what I've seen out of Toronto uh, after the uh, the All-Star break. The pitching has gotten a lot better. Uh, so I might take a, a flyer on Toronto, although, again, much like with the Padres, uh, 
they'd have to win a one-game playoff. Uh, the difference being is that the Padres are very, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but they are very short-priced uh, yeah. to, uh, to win the World Series or the pennant, as opposed to Toronto, which is facing a lot of very good teams throughout the, uh, uh, throughout the American League that they would be contending with. For the Wild card World races, Series. and they keep us hopping, no doubt. We're coming back. We're heading to the weekend. We're going to put a lid on a Vegas Sportsbook Radio. Always a treat. Thanks to our producer, Chris Pavona in New York. It's Vegas Sportsbook Radio, Sirius 204, the Sports Grid Radio Network. Scott Farrell coming up, top of the hour on the network. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. We've officially made it to the weekend Vegas Sportsbook Radio. Scott Farrell's coming up at the top of the hour on the Sports Grid Radio Network, Sirius Channel 204. I want to thank Chris Bavona for all his great work as he lugs the mail for us each and every week. Stevie Slapshot does such a great job, and Andy Isco's always great. Appreciate his time joining us each and every Friday. We are there, bud. We got preseason football, Andy. Uh, the, the Field of Dreams was fun. Baseball playoffs are coming. We've got the FedEx Cup in golf. We've got the Ryder Cup. Hoops and hockey are coming fast too, buddy. I mean, this is basically it. Let's go. We're coming out of the gate like here's Rusty at the dog track. Uh, it used to be there were slow periods sports-wise during the year. That's not been true for uh, many, many times. Even, even last year we had the bonus of hockey and basketball throughout uh, July and uh, and into August. Uh, and actually, the NBA went uh, into October last year. But you mentioned things like the Ryder Cup, like the FedEx. You've got the uh, uh, the, NASCAR. the NASCAR wind up uh, uh, as well over the next uh, uh, you know eight to ten weeks. So a lot to look forward to. Not much time for uh, looking back. You've always got to be prepared because. Something's coming up within the next 24 hours. And college football. I mean, the NFL, we're all drooling for the NFL. I, I have high hopes for college football. I, fingers crossed, Andy, they have a season with integrity that they play these games. You said you were really thrilled. We got 35 seconds. They were able to pull off the Olympics. They got through it. I'm hoping against hope, college football, they're able to keep their head down and go. Yeah, well, the uh, like the SEC came out and made threats that hey, if we have to cancel games, they'll be treated as uh, as forfeits. So I think that uh, uh, a lot of the athletic directors, a lot of the football coaches, will try to monitor that situation so they're not in a situation that not only results in a forfeit but denies uh, uh, you know the nation of seeing some pretty good football games within the SEC this year. Andy, you're the best, buddy. Thank you for doing this. I hope you have a wonderful weekend. You too. Look forward to uh, to next week. Thanks to Chris Bavona, Stevie Slapshot. Thank you for listening. Scott Farrell's coming up next. It is an absolute treat for us to be doing Vegas Sportsbook Radio for you along the Sports Grid Radio Network and Sirius Channel 204. Back on Monday. Have a great weekend, folks. Dispensing little pearls of sports strategy wisdom like gumballs from the machine.